Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writer's Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you advice and insight that you can apply straight away to your own writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you'll also find information about the Creative Writer's Tool Belt handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writer's Tool Belt and that it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to episode 119 of the Creative Writers Tool Belt podcast. This episode is the second in a two-part series looking at point of view. In episode 118, we looked at first and second person point of view and limited third person point of view. And in this episode, we're going to focus on the other option of a third person point of view, which is third person omniscient point of view. So in my news, you may know that the Creative Writers Tool Belt channel is now up on YouTube and live. And in the coming months, I'll be adding more videos to the stock that's already there. That's going to be a gradual process. Please do visit the channel and check out those videos if you haven't already done so. Creative Writers Tool Belt Handbook is available in paperback and ebook versions on Amazon. And for those who don't know, the handbook condenses all of the best advice and insight from authors and agents and editors that I've spoken to across the first 100 episodes of the podcast. This book is the foundation you need to improve as a writer and produce great work. And I hope to broaden the availability of the ebook version soon by including other ebook distributors like Nook and Kobo and iBooks. And I'll tell you more about that when it's available. If you've bought a copy of the book and you want to do me a favor, please do drop a review on Amazon for the book. I would be very grateful if you could do that. So let's have a look at third person omniscient point of view. So this option for point of view is where an all knowing narrator can reveal anything that is happening, has happened or will happen in the world of the story. And that's the fundamental difference between third person limited and third person omniscient. In the former third person limited, the story is told from one of the character's points of views. In the latter, we have the writer or narrator's point of view. So for omniscient point of view, the story only ever has one single point of view throughout the whole thing, and that is the narrator. It only ever has one voice, and that's the author's voice. And that voice is omniscient, so they know everything. The author is not telling us something from the character's point of view, they're telling us something from their single point of view, their omniscient point of view, hence the name of, of this particular option. Now, I have to tell you that omniscient narration has recently fallen out of favour with agents and publishers as it creates less intimacy with the reader than limited third person or first person viewpoints and is at least as vulnerable to the problem of head hopping, which we talked about in the previous episode, as limited third person. And there's an article on readsy.com's blog, so that's R-E-E-D-S-Y.com, their blog, which comments on this. And this is what it says. Third person omniscient is probably the oldest form of recorded storytelling. Tales of Odin, Heracles and Jason and the Argonauts would have been told by bards around the fire with what we'd consider an omniscient narrator. There are no limits to what the narrator may tell the reader, though compared to some of the more intimate perspectives, you may need to work harder to ensure that your book remains enjoyable to modern readers. Now, the fact that omniscient point of view is the oldest form of storytelling gives us a clue about the practical techniques that we might be able to use to employ this kind of point of view successfully. So let's take a moment to think about the content of these traditional old stories and the way that they were told. These are big picture stories. The focus is on the action, the goal, the quest. We're interested in the way in which the task is achieved rather than the thoughts and feelings of the characters 
as they achieve them. And the moral of these stories is not generally worked out in the thoughts and feelings of characters, rather it's in the external realities of the task or the quest. So, for example, in the story of Jason and the Argonauts, the quest is to recover the Golden Fleece. More recently, in Tolkien's epic tale, The Lord of the Rings, whilst we're interested in the characters, the main drive of the story is in the external reality of the quest to destroy the ring and to overcome Sauron. So let's have a look at some examples of omniscient third-person point of view in action. And we'll start with a passage from a book by the 19th century Russian author Leo Tolstoy. This is from Anna Karenina. If he could have heard what her parents were saying that evening, if he could have put himself at the point of view of the family and have heard that Kitty would be unhappy if he did not marry her, he would have been greatly astonished and would not have believed it. He could not believe that what gave such great and delicate pleasure to him, and above all to her, could be wrong. Still less could he have believed that he ought to marry. Now I hope that you can see, just from that short passage, that the author is hovering over the story. It's their voice and it's their point of view, giving us a kind of commentary on the action and on the feelings of the character. Here's another example from another great 19th century author, Charles Dickens. This is from his book, Bleak House. Who happens to be in the Lord Chancellor's court this murky afternoon besides the Lord Chancellor? The council in the cause, two or three council who are never in any cause, and the well of solicitors before mentioned. There is the registrar below the judge in wig and gown, and there are two or three maces or petty bags or privy purses or whatever they may be in legal court suits. These are all yawning, for no crumb of amusement ever falls from jaundice and jaundice, the cause in hand, which was squeezed dry years upon years ago. The shorthand writers, the reporters of the court, the reporters of the newspapers invariably decamp with the rest of the regulars when Jandis and Jandis comes on. Their places are a blank. Standing on a seat at the side of the hall, the better to peer into the curtain sanctuary is a little mad old woman in a squeezed bonnet, who is always in court from its sitting to its rising and always expecting some incomprehensible judgment to be given in her favour. Now we see this form, omniscient point of view, in action again in a more recent work, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. So for example, here is a short passage from The Fellowship of the Ring. He wished them good night and they said no more, but Frodo could see in the lantern light that the man was still eyeing them curiously. He was glad to hear the gate clang behind them and they rode forward. He wondered why the man was so suspicious and whether any one had been asking for news of a party of hobbits. Could it have been Gandalf? He might have arrived while they were delayed in the forest and the downs, but there was something in the look and the voice of the gatekeeper that made him uneasy. The man stared after the hobbits for a moment and then he went back into his house. As soon as his back was turned, a dark figure climbed quickly over the gate and melted into the shadows of the village street. Now, because third-person omniscient point of view works better with a strong authorial voice, clear tasks and quests, and traditional externally focused morals, this viewpoint can sometimes be seen as old-fashioned. And the examples I've given here might show you this. Omniscient point of view can sound, even in the voices of these brilliant authors, a little bit dated, a bit didactic, dare I say it, a bit dull. But more contemporary authors can use it successfully and it is making something of a comeback. In fantasy particularly, we see great examples of omniscient point of view, for example, in the witty and distinctive authorial voice of Terry Pratchett. To illustrate his style, here is a short passage from his Discworld novel, Unseen Academicals. If you can't stand the heat, get off the pot, muttered Ridcully. 
Things were subsiding a bit now and the pointy hats were tentatively raised. The Arch-Chancellor's little moments only lasted a few minutes. This would have been more comforting were it not for the fact that at approximately five minute intervals, something suddenly reminded him of what he considered to be the Dean's totally treasonable activity, to wit, applying for and getting a job at another university via a common advertisement in the newspaper. That was not how a Prince of Magic behaved. He didn't sit in front of a panel of drapers, greengrocers and bootmakers, wonderful people though they may be, salt of the earth no doubt, but even so, to be judged and assessed like some champion terrier, had his teeth counted no doubt. He'd let down the entire brotherhood of wizardry, that's what he'd done. There was a squeaking of wheels outside the door and every wizard stiffened in anticipation. The door swung open and the first overloaded trolley was pushed in. There was a series of sighs as every eye focused on the maid who was pushing it, and then some rather louder sighs when they realised that she was not, as it were, the intended. She wasn't ugly, she might have been homely perhaps, but it was quite a nice home. Clean and decent, and with roses round the door, and a welcome on the mat, and an apple pie in the oven. But the thoughts of the wizards were astonishingly not on food at this point, although some of them were still a bit hazy as to why not. Now I hope you can see from this example how comedic writing, if done properly, can benefit from third person omniscient point of view because it complements and works with the nature of that point of view as a way to present commentary, as a way to tell a story rather than to be in it. But needless to say, both comedic writing and omniscient third person point of view are a challenge and both require great skill and used together they require enormous skill. So, omniscient point of view can be used in the right circumstances. In terms of content, I'd say this would be stories that are epic or where the writer wants to add commentary to the proceedings or to write in a comedic fashion or where the driving force of the story is task or quest focused and there's an external objective moral. The omniscient point of view works best where the author is also able to employ a very strong and very distinctive voice in the story. But omniscient point of view is a challenge to use. It doesn't let the reader see into the intimacies of the lives of the characters and it can turn into head hopping just as easily as third person limited point of view if you don't keep the point of view firmly with the narrator. And it can also suffer from telling rather than showing. So how do you write good omniscient point of view story? Here are some practical tips. First of all, read some omniscient point of view works, older and contemporary, to get a sense of how point of view actually works in practice in good writing. Secondly, be prepared to edit your work thoroughly to keep the narrator's point of view and to remove any accidental head hopping or to stop your work drifting into third person limited point of view. Thirdly, use dialogue to make the characters colorful and distinctive. Fourthly, use sensory description to bolster the sense of showing rather than telling in the story. Fifthly, make sure there's plenty of action. And when there is action, adhere to the best practices of writing action. And you can get some idea of those from episode 91 of the podcast, which was a conversation I had with my guest, the editor, Jesse Rita Hoffman. Number six, be confident. So believe in your voice and go all out to use it. It will carry the reader through if it is strong and consistent. And number seven, also believe in the moral of the story. Believe in your quest. Believe in the tasks that the characters are undertaking. Believe in the energy and quality of what you're doing. Because if you don't, the reader won't.
Now, these techniques are all covered in more detail in different episodes of the podcast and in the handbook. And you can go to my website, andrewjchamberlain.com and look up the podcast index tab to find podcast episode for different themes and different techniques. And you'll also find that index in the back of the handbook. So that's it for this episode. And today I have quoted from the following works, writing in the third person omniscient versus third person limited and first, second and third person, which point of view is right for your book. Both of these articles written for the Readsy blog at blog.readsy.com. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y. I've also quoted from Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy and Bleak House by Charles Dickens, both of which are in the public domain from The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins, and Unseen Academicals by Terry Pratchett, published by Doubleday. So that's it for this episode. I'll be back soon. But until then, as ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.